Drawn and Paneled is the comic book showcase podcast from Gen X Grown Up. Every Wednesday, we bring you news, reviews, interviews, insight, and commentary on the comic books we love from the golden age to the modern age. We love to hear from our podcast listeners, so write to us at podcast at drawnandpaneled.com. And if you enjoy what we do, please take a moment to support us by becoming one of our patrons at patreon.com slash genxgrownup. Welcome back, Drawn and Panel podcast listener, to episode 21 of the Drawn and Panel podcast. With me, as always, today is Jason. Hey, everybody. And John is here. Hey, howdy. In today's episode, we cover a sad day in the Walking Dead history of comic books, mm. a new book about a lovable tin man, and our favorite web crawler's latest trip to the big screen. <laughs> but first, first. <laughs> We've Does that got mean some mail? more. Yeah, we do. We have some more listener email. Great. This one's from Stuart. Stuart says, I just read a story about DC shutting down Vertigo. That can't be good. I read quite a few Vertigo books over the years. It's a sad day for sure. George, hmm. I'm sure that you, Jason, and even John will have some discussion about this soon. <laughs> even John. <laughs> I look forward <laughs> to hearing your take on it. As always, thanks for doing what you do. Keep up the great work. Well, thank you. Well, yeah. Let's just go ahead and start talking about it now since Stuart went ahead and brought it up. <laughs> yeah. Well, e even John wants to know, so what the heck is DC Vertigo? Fair enough. So <laughs> DC Vertigo is kind of DC Comics, like their adult outside the comics code publication line. And, mm. you know, it sounds like, you know, maybe it's got those beaded curtains in your old video store kind of thing, but it's not. <laughs> right. This was just a way of their tailoring their books to a little bit more of an adult audience. So uh, it could have things like graphic violence and more adult storylines with drug use and mm -hmm even sexuality and stuff, but they had some outstanding series when they first came out. Uh, 1993 was when they were originally created. They had books like The Sandman, Preacher, which is a hugely popular TV show mm -hmm. now. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. That was from Vertigo? That's cool. Yeah, that's that from Vertigo, okay. yep. right? Uh, 100 Bullets, uh, which Heard is a fantastic assassin kind of series. Why the Last Man, which is mm -hmm. kind of like if you took Last Man on Earth and made it not funny, that's what Why the Last Man would be. <laughs> yeah, and, and they're trying to make a TV show out of that, too. Yeah, they have been for a number of years. That's right. Mm -hmm. So why in the world would DC shut down the Cinemax branch of their comic books if they're so right. <laughs> right, the, the After Dark series, so <laughs> right. to speak. Well, they're not actually shutting it down, it turns out. What they're doing is they're just doing a complete company rebrand for their title, their series, lines, titles, publication companies, whatever you want to call it. They're taking all their different publication groups and rebranding them with the phrase DC at the top. So you'll have DC Kids, which will target eight to 12 year olds you'll have dc the you know the proper dc comics will right. prime handle everybody thing. 13 and older that's where you're superman dc yeah exactly uh dc black label <laughs> will be <laughs> 17 plus type comic books now i don't know how they're going to enforce this in the comic book stores because i've never jason have you ever seen a comic book store owner like ask for your id at the counter or anything i mean uh, that's not uh, really a way that it's handled I, i've had it happen to me before have you really yes <laughs> No, yeah, you when, have when, it. When You're I just had messing hair. with me. 
It was probably you- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now there there was one a Marvel Marvel had the Max um line that was like um 17 plus and there was a book and the the store owner said oh this is 17 plus you know there's some stuff in it. I need to see your ID I'm like okay so really it, and there was another shop owner in our town that uh he kept a pretty close watch I don't think he ID'd anybody but he made sure that his 17 plus stuff was kind of separate and where he could see it so. People People like had it in the brown bags behind the <laughs> counter, maybe or yeah, something. Not, not, not quite that far, but <laughs> he did have the beaded curtain. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, they're not getting rid of the of the publishing arm; they're just rebranding it. I imagine though that'll change some things as far as collectability is concerned. Like the last Vertigos, which are due to be done in, they're going to be discontinued in January of 2020. Mm-hmm. And I guess the new ones will start in February of 2020, probably. So I imagine there'll be some collectability stuff going on around that time frame. But I mean, some of these books are just super like iconic. You know, like we talked about Sam and Constantine was a mm-hmm. part of the Vertigo label for a little while. All right. Which yeah. that's that's been its own TV series. Plus mm-hmm. the character's been in other TV series. So and a film. Yeah. Yeah. In yeah. film, right? So there's quite a bit of that stuff out there. I mean, I don't know if it's a bad thing or a good thing. Jason, what do you think? I think it makes sense of what they're doing. You know, they're not canceling any of the current Vertigo titles that they have right now because they did a big relaunch of Vertigo back in uh, 2018, I believe, you know, very recently. So none of those titles are going away. They're just becoming DC Black Label. And, you know, they're trying to push DC Black Label. They've had a few books out so far with that. And, you know, I I think it'll be interesting. Vertigo kind of helped DC keep itself a little bit distant. So not everybody would pick up a Vertigo book and know, oh, this is DC. They kind of thought of it as its own thing. So DC could kind of distance itself from some of the material, um, you know, in Vertigo and kind of keep its squeaky clean image as well. So now under one label, that may be a problematic, but we'll see how it goes. Well, I mean, it's just like Dark Horse with Burger Books or... Mm. You know, any Mm -hmm. of these other companies, they all find their own little imprints and things to do. So I guess, you know, as they, well, this doesn't really fit under our main house. We're going to do this new thing. And at least they're keeping those books around. They're not just canceling the books outright, which is good. Mm -hmm. So nothing's really dying. It's like when you get that email at work and it's like, reorganization, check the new org chart, right? Right. It's like like everything's still happening, but people have a new, somebody to report to and I'm in a different department kind of thing. So let's go. They're not killing stuff off. I'm sure it's branding because of all all the new DC craziness they're doing with their own like streaming network and they have their own uh, comic book network that you can subscribe to. So they want to make mm-hmm. sure everything's under that DC umbrella probably. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that was some really cool news to be brought to us. Thank you very much, Stuart, for that. Thanks, Stu. And we'll get into some more news right after this. Right back, you and Tunnel Rock set up a slam defense. will happen. Find out in Marvel Comics. Don't you know that you're a grown up? Hey there, Drawn and Panel podcast listener. I want to take just a second to tell you about something you didn't know you were missing. I'm John, and along with Mo, hey everybody, and George, hey, how's it going, guys? We are Gen X Grown Up. Gen X Grown Up is a website, YouTube channel, and audio podcast by and for Generation Xers, kids of the late 70s and early 80s who may have grown older but have refused to grow up. Every week on our podcast, we cover media, games, tech, toys, comics, games, and pop culture of yesterday and today through the eyes of guys who grew up loving that stuff. 
And every other week, we do a backtrack where we pick a single nostalgic topic from our youth and dig in deep. You can find us anywhere you listen to your podcasts or find us right on our website at genxgrownup.com. If you're a Generation Xer or know someone who is, I hope you'll check out Gen X Grown Up. Your dinner cannot just be french fries. Basically, life sucks as a grown up. All right, guys, we got a head start on what's happening, but let's dive in deep with what's going on now in the comic book world. George, uh, I know that a favorite series of of yours just ended uh, recently. Yeah, thanks for sticking the needle in a little bit there (laughs) and pouring salt in the open wound. (laughs) Yeah, well, believe it or not, Walking Dead has ended its comic book run. It's been going on forever. It was in issue number 193 was the final issue of Walking Dead, which just released just like a week or so ago. Um, the previous that, month. That seems like a big deal. I mean, for it, as, long as, a, as long as I've heard it, about comic books, like that's been like the like there's the big, fat, thick black and white art book. And of course, the TV shows. Is that a big deal, mm-hmm. as it seems? Oh, yeah. It's, it's okay. a huge deal. Yeah. Kirkman has always said that he would continue the series as long as, you know, he felt like it was important, but that if he ever killed Rick Grimes, that would be the end of the series. Well, a month ago, he killed Rick Grimes and everybody I was like, well, obviously he's changed his mind because there's no way he's going to end it on issue number 192 or 193. (laughs) Well, guess what? He did. It was a total shock. Nobody saw it coming. It was never publicized. They didn't announce it ahead of time or anything. It was just, here's the book, end of the story. And I've read some articles since then, since the book has been released. And he has said that the entire reason for the shock was because that was how the series was always done. And he wanted to mirror the way that people died in the book, you know, completely out of nowhere, Mm -hmm. left field deaths. Mm -hmm. Yep. He wanted to mirror that with the death of the series. So that's why he did it in such a Nobody's shocking way. safe, not even this comic book. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. in> moment. <laughs> and they even solicited future issues, 194, mm-hmm. 195. So, I mean, this was, you know, they, they knew what they were doing, but they even had art and everything. So this caught, I think, everybody off guard when this oh, was so the they were final acting issue. like others were coming and yes oh, they did. that's yeah sneaky bastard. that's what solicitations are they're like previews sort of or announcements uh-huh. of books that are coming up in the future months that are you know about to happen and they they had like jason said they have 194 195 they had artwork slated that who's going to do this cover and that cover and yeah no nah, we're done <laughs> to make it a shock they kind of had to do that because with you know the modern internet and the leaks and everything if all of a sudden th- something stops showing up and what's coming later people would start to catch on but that was smart of them to it's like just pretending and then dead both on the comic book and the tv series for years they've been known for getting that stuff by the smart fans right the people who are on the internet searching Mm -hmm. the deep dive message boards and everything they have gotten by time after time with deaths that nobody saw coming or new character introductions or any number of different special surprise situations and here they pulled off the ultimate one by canceling the book when nobody saw that coming. I thought for sure he was going to at least take it to issue number 200 before he ended it. Maybe like, okay, so Rick Grimes is dead and we'll have like seven issues of retrospectives about the characters who are still alive or the most influential characters, you know, kind of like a look back kind of thing, maybe Mm -hmm. each month. I would have been certainly very happy with that and gotten to 200 and then had this, you know, double-sized issue number 200 finale maybe. But man, I I kind of a little bit more excited about this surprise ending than anything else. Like getting grabbed by a zombie unexpectedly. Just sometimes You're it right. happens. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Uh, Jason, you know a little bit about a series called Sandman, right? 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. It was a big deal in the late 80s all the way through the 90s. It was part of the vertigo that we were just talking about uh, by Neil Gaiman, who did American Gods. And there's a new one on Amazon now, Good Omens, that I'm hearing a lot about that Mm -hmm. he also was involved in. But Sandman's about the king of dreams and his trials and tribulations with his family and all other kinds of stuff. Well, it is headed to Netflix for a big, I think it's going to be a pretty high, you know, highbrow show, a lot of special effects, good story writers. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. Do you, either of you guys know much about Sandman? Well, I know every time that I went to look for the shadow and I'm flipping through the S's, you have to get through this, all the Sandman's first and then the shadow is later in the box. But <laughs> I remember seeing it, the, the book a lot when I was in comic shops in the 80s. I don't know a lot about it. Who publishes this? Because Marvel just pulled all their stuff. Is this So a- it's that Vertigo imprint, the <laughs> DC group that we were talking about oh, earlier. Okay. All right. Yeah. So yeah, that same group. <laughs> so Netflix is like, fine, Marvel, we don't need you. Here comes DC. <laughs> well, a lot of the Neil Gaiman stuff has taken off lately. I mean, they started off with American Gods, really. I, that might have been his first really big venture into television mm-hmm. and then they had like jason was just mentioning the the good omens the new yep. amazon series mm-hmm. and now this is going to netflix so gaiman is becoming a television kind of creator guy now like much in the same way that uh walking dead broke into the television stuff but i think his stuff has always been difficult to translate to tv so i don't know how they're going to do this with sandman because this is like the second or third start of a sandman series yeah uh, it's a lot of high fantasy, um, very trippy looking art. So they're going to have their work cut out for them. But I think if they can pull it off, this this should be a pretty amazing thing. And maybe the next hit for Netflix. I don't know. I'm speculating, but it, it could well, be a big thing. Yeah, that's I mean, it's not like you're completely outside the realm of possibility. I mean, Neil Gaiman has done great work. Netflix has done great with its comic book series so far. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I see this as being a win. And, you know, Gaiman is he's starting to become one of those legendary creators, you know, well, not starting. He's always been one of those legendary creators, but now people in the mass audience are starting to recognize his work more and more as it hits television airwaves. But I'm looking forward to it. And, you know, anytime a series comes out on Netflix, I love it because they release it all at once. Mm -hmm, So you get to watch it all in its entirety, whether it be, you know, two episodes or 20 episodes. Mm -hmm. I I think it's a great fit. So Jason, help me out. I mean, you said it's kind of trippy and I don't know Sandman. So it's like trippy, like cool world or trippy like what dreams may come i mean visually is there something like it to compare i mean that you would imagine in a television show how would i pick Uh, so yeah i would say it's kind of you know a combination of of both of those uh things you mentioned cool world and what dreams may come probably better than those two movies were but (laughs) (laughs) no it's and i haven't i've read it you know in spurts uh you know i haven't read the whole series but like the first issue is basically he's captured and it kind of goes through some weird stuff happening because dream is captured so people aren't sleeping well and dreaming and then there's an issue where he he's released he goes to hell and has a limerick battle with a demon to get his did, some of his armor did, back wait wait, wait. Yeah. did you just say a limerick battle yeah or a riddle <laughs> battle something like that yeah i, I, I would so totally like read a, a limerick battle well think like the <laughs> hobbit with Gollum and mm-hmm. bilbo yeah that kind oh, yeah of a thing. okay yeah yeah <laughs> 
Right. And then um, then there's a later standalone issue that takes place in, you know, during the Shakespeare era where he had written a play for Shakespeare and then has Shakespeare perform it in the middle of a field for all the fairy people and stuff. So it's it's kind of all over the place. Wow. It does sound trippy. All right. <laughs> <laughs> it's something to look forward to. It'll definitely be different from what you're used to as far as comic book TV shows or movies. Yeah. And, you know, at least give it a chance. Read a couple of the comic books, watch the first one or two episodes, and then formulate an opinion. But Neil Gaiman, he does some really profound work, so I'm looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sounds like a flip on the gritty kind of superhero-y thing, almost. Now, talk about your regular superheroes. I don't think we're getting out of the What's Happening segment without the three of us discussing a film, little independent mm-hmm. film that was just released, as we always <laughs> say here at Drawing Panel. Spider-Man Far From Home was just released in the past week. Never heard and of it. I knew. Yeah, Jason, he's not if a spider any of us have heard of it, Jason has. (laughs) Well, let's go ahead and start with you, Jason. Have you had a chance to see the movie? I I took my dad to see it on opening night. Wow. Okay. On Tuesday night, uh, which was kind of a weird opening for a movie, but went to see it. I loved it. Uh, It was a lot of fun. It felt like a classic Spider-Man story. Uh, There was some twists and turns in this. Um, I think it's great for a follow-up from Endgame, so we kind of see what the MCU looks like post endgame i don't want to get into too many spoilers because it's one of those ones Mm -hmm. that you just have to see it to really enjoy the full magnitude of the film but there was a lot of good good scenes good comedy um action heart string tugging stuff what what did you guys think yeah jace i got to see it i hit it up on my a-list and i went on i don't know saturday or sunday like a saturday night i went to see it Mm -hmm. and uh i took the wife and she's not a huge superhero fan but she really enjoyed Spider-Man. Coming out of the show, she's like, that Tom Holland, he is the Spider-Man that I always <laughs> picture. Right. And, you know, even more so than Tobey Maguire or Garfield. Mm-hmm. I never thought Garfield was awesome. He was serviceable, but and I he agree. Was, yeah. I think yeah. Tom Holland does a great job. Uh, I appreciated, and uh, again, respecting the no spoilers, I appreciated that I kind of saw one of the twists coming based on my little bit of knowledge of Spider-Man right. growing up, but mm-hmm. I, I thought it was neat that they kind of did the, uh, the all the trailers were done with about the first 30 minutes of footage. And they, mm-hmm. nothing right. was, didn't show anything from what was happening later in the movie, which I thought was a great way to do a trailer. It should just tease you and not give it away. So I thought that was great. And then there were like two more twists in the after or post credits and mid credits yes. scenes that you yes. had to stick around yes. for. So there's plenty to see. And and the last thing I'll say about it is it was a really nice, you know, I mean, if end game was the end game for this big segment of Marvel, I think mm-hmm. this was really like a, you know, it, it was like a retrospective, like a looking back, a, a bow on the top of that thing because it was it, it observed it it talked mm-hmm. about it a little bit it gave some kind of like reverence to it and then kind of pushed the story forward a little yeah i think it did that really well because if you think about it everybody credits iron man as being the first film in that giant marvel you know cinematic universe at least that iteration mm-hmm. of it i mean we mm-hmm. we had other marvel films before that but really iron man is where everybody sits and i liked how in this film there are several references to you know people saying that Tom Holland, Spider-Man, you're supposed to be the next Iron Man. You're the next Iron Man, you know, several mm-hmm. different times in right. the series and in the trailer and in the movie and in the trailer. But I was I was really blown away by a couple of characters and I don't want to get into too many spoilers either, but man, 
I'm sorry. I got to say that Nick Fury's a dick. Holy hell. <laughs> That's a completely different Nick Fury. Now, I don't know if it's because, you know, of the five year gap and, you know, he's all pissy coming back. But uh, yeah, I just I didn't see, like I, his character at all. See, I, I can't even comment on that because I would it would be a spoiler to talk about yeah. why Nick Fury's a dick. You know, <laughs> I, well, that's what I'm saying. I'm yeah, not, I, know. I don't want to yeah. do spoilers, but yeah. if you go to see the film anytime soon, if you haven't seen it yet, I think a lot of people would agree that his character was written very harshly mm -hmm. in this film. I mean, I thought it moved the story along really well, but as far as me liking the character, I always enjoyed Sam Jackson's portrayal of Nick Fury, and I thought he did a really nice take on it. He did a fantastic job with acting in this film, mm -hmm. but they definitely wrote this character completely differently than we've seen in the past yeah. until some of those in credit scenes like you're talking about. Yeah, I have to ask Jason, being the Spider-Man expert, so at the, at the very end of the film, uh, I thought it was bizarre that someone showed up who has not been in the Marvel slash Tom Holland Spider-Man pantheon mm -hmm. recurring, reprising a role that he had back in the Tobey Maguire days. I thought that was kind of mind blowing. Mm -hmm. and, but the other question is th there's a scene where I swear to God, where I saw Spider-Man in the uh, he's he's wrestling in the ring in his original weird like sweatsuit outfit. And that was from the Tobey Maguire days too. They didn't do that again during the Tom Holland era, did they? Well, he had the sweatsuit in Homecoming. That was his kind of oh, did. Okay, okay. Yeah, good. yeah. All right. That's I what thought that, yeah. that came from there. But yeah, yeah it, it wasn't like the wrestling scene. It was oh, just oh, him right. wearing that sweatsuit. And, yes, and by the right, way, that scene was amazing in, in Far From Home, that whole segment. I don't want to get into it because it's part of the oh, twist, yeah. but man, that was an amazing segment. It was like a bunch of like flashbacky things. Yeah, you're right. It's like yeah. it's almost like you want to talk about it again in a, in a month when everybody has seen it. But it, right. it, was, it, it was it was very enjoyable for me, even though I'm not a super duper comic book person, as you know, but they just they just keep my wife said after she said Tom Holland was dreamy that she, she's amazed how Marvel just seems to not be striking at all. Everything mm -hmm. is a hit every single time. George, I want to flip your scale on you that you introduced over on the Gen X Grown Up podcast. So all right. is this full price $5 Tuesday or A-list freebie quality film? Uh, for me, this is full price, mm -hmm. probably two, maybe three times full price. <laughs> so definitely worth seeing again at the full price. Oh, too. absolutely. Yeah, I'm and I'm going to see it again because I have a list, but That's right. even yeah. if I didn't, I would absolutely go see this film several more times. It was just that good. I really liked it. And I know Jason's answer, but I'll ask him anyway. Uh, yeah, I will see it again. And I, I actually paid full price for it because uh, it opened on a Tuesday night, but because it was a new movie, it did not fall on the $5 Tuesday deal, but <laughs> right, I still, yeah. you know, I did get my dad a senior ticket, so I saved a little bit of money, but... <laughs> <laughs> It's wild look at sci-fi movies. It's games, puzzles, comics. What could be more perfect? Me on the cover, not the Hulk. Pizzazz, the almost perfect new monthly from the off-the-wall gang at Marvel Comics. Welcome to the Drawn and Paneled Hot Seat Interview. In this part of the show, we sit down with a special creator, writer, artist, or celebrity from the comic book world to find out what makes them tick. Today's guest is Wayne Hall, editor of Stabity Bunny from Scout Comics and host of the Wayne's Comics Podcast. Wayne, how you doing today, buddy? Good, how are you? I am doing awesome, sir. It is so great to have you on the show. You and I have met off and on for probably what three four years at different conventions at this point i think so because yeah <laughs> uh, i'm you we're either behind booths talking to each other around or we're not we're, we're wandering the floor looking for stuff 
So here's the first question. Where were you born? Where's home? I was born in Scranton, Pennsylvania, and northeastern Pennsylvania, coal mining country of all things. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I was up there. I, I grew up there until I went to college. I, I went to high school there and the whole business. Then I went off to a college in the Washington, D.C. area. Oh, wow. Okay. That moved me around. So I got used to other places. And I ended up at one point deciding I wanted to go to Florida because I'd never been there. And I like warm weather. (laughs) Having grown up in northeastern Pennsylvania, which is snow country up there. It just is. I decided I want to go south. And I said, I want to go down to here. And this place, there were things here that I really liked, including a hospital I knew I could work at and other things that I could do. Tell us a little bit about your work in the comic book industry. I, I started working with Richard. He always wanted to do comics, but he never did until I came on the, the scene. He okay. needed somebody he could bounce off of. You know, he didn't have anybody who knew comics like I did because I've been – I have reviewed them. I have talked about them. I have done discussion panels on comics. I've always done – I've never actually written for a company or anything, but the podcast has been an intro for me. That's how I met James Hake. You've mentioned Richard a little bit. Let's talk a yeah. little bit about Stabity Bunny because that's one okay. of my favorites. It's a great independent novel, and you're an editor on Stabity Bunny, so tell right. us a little bit about that book. Stabity Bunny, we like to say, could take place at the intersection of Nightmare on Elm Street and Sesame Street. Right. <laughs> it's it's about a, a seven-year-old girl named Grace and her 100-year-old plush rabbit. It's been in the family for generations, and it's been handed down from mother to daughter every time that there there's a, a new daughter, the mother hands it down. And there hasn't been anything unusual about Stabity. It was called Hansi at one point. But then all of a sudden, when Grace got Stabity, suddenly she said to her mother, well, he doesn't want to be called Hansi anymore. He wants to be Stabity. Ah. And what's happening is, is for the first time in 100 years, uh, there's a supernatural force after the family and they have discovered where they are. So now they must defend themselves. And that's what they're doing. Stabity suddenly has a, a child, you know, that's around him that is suddenly in deadly danger. And it's a horror mystery story. And part of the mystery is to understand how this inanimate plush rabbit can defend a young girl, a seven-year-old girl. What's happening is, is that Richard also got started on some other books. He's got Stabity Ever After, which is a Mm -hmm. book he does with Ryan Kincaid. First issue has come on that. Second issue is is, uh, the artwork's being done right now by Ryan. And so we're going to see much more of that moving forward. They're probably going to, they're talking about a third and probably even a fourth issue. Before we get out of this interview, Wayne, we have our rapid fire questions of death. Are you ready? Okay. (laughs) Question number one, your favorite Muppet. Uh, Rolf. Ralph. Okay. It's Ralph Ralph the dog, right? It's it's not Ralph. It's Rolf. R-O-W-L. Rolf. Because that's what a dog would say. Rolf. So he's the one that plays the piano and stuff. I always like him. He's awesome. Question number two, a guilty pleasure that you're ashamed to admit to. Uh, I'm trying to remember the name of the singer. Stevie Nicks. Stevie Nicks, right. Awesome. Yeah, she is. She's. I love her voice. Well, she's an alto voice, which is very unusual. Usually you hear people singing in soprano voices. Mm-hmm. I'm a choir singer myself, and so I'm used to all these things. And I love that low alto sound to her. But she would sing all these crazy songs, you know, and I would oh, always kind of awesome. wow. I still love her. She's awesome now, even. People get mad at me when they say, when I tell them I really like her music. So. <laughs> <laughs> Question number three, your favorite 80s film or TV show? I can tell you my least favorite one. How about we start with that? Fair enough. Least, my least favorite. Least favorite was Alf. Okay. <laughs> I, I would I would watch that show and I would just, I literally would turn off the television. I'd be so unhappy. 
What's and now you're working stuff? on Stabity Bunny. So there you yeah, go. Yeah, well, that's it. Comes full circle. <laughs> I, 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 if I think that time was also the year, the the decade that Saint Elsewhere came out. If I remember correct, and Saint Elsewhere is one of my very all time very favorite TV shows. Well, there we go. So we got Saint Elsewhere and Alf. Yeah, on two ends of the spectrum. Question number four: Your favorite comic or character? that you have not worked on or created? Well, that's easy. Batman. Yeah, I, I. if you ever see me at a con, I'll usually be wearing a Batman shirt. And sometimes I wear the same Batman shirt. I have these football jersey Batman shirts that are hard to get. And I like to wear them around there because people, although once people criticize me, you're always wearing that shirt. I said, <laughs> it's, it's my lucky shirt. I've got to wear it. And so go. it's clean. I mean, I do clean it in between conventions and stuff, but it's I, Batman to me. You have to understand his last name is my first name. Right. He's also, he's somebody, if I could really work hard at it, I could possibly be, but I, I'm always drawn to characters that have wings or like capes and things like that. I'm also drawn to non-superpowered people like Green Lantern, uh, Black Knight, people like that I like because, again, if I had a, 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 a power ring, you know, I could do those kinds of things. I'm, I'm not invulnerable. I wasn't born on Krypton, that kind of stuff. It does, although my I'm one of a pair of identical twins, as I, as I think I might have mentioned, and he's big fans of Superman. I'm the Batman. Gotcha. Well, before we get out of here, give us just a brief 30 second plug of where people can find all your stuff that you do. Well, I uh, majorspoilers.com is where my podcast is Dwayne's Comics Podcast is. I also write a weekly column about the comics industry called Comics Portal, and I write reviews there pretty much. It kind of depends on what time of month it is, it seems like. And that's where my, if you go to majorspoilers.com, that's where all my you know, online stuff goes. As far as Stabity Bunny, and there's also Shadow Play and Stabity Ever After, all those things right now are coming out from Scout Comics. And uh, if you go to scoutcomics.com, they have a store there. And, or if you go to your local store, actually, they can go through and try to backorder some of these things if you haven't got them. Wayne, thank you so much for joining us here today on Drawn and Paneled. Glad to be here. And podcast listeners, we'll be back right after this. Hear the sound razor sharp adamantium claws make when they extract their revenge. Gentlemen, we talked awful lot about news, talked awful lot about movies that we love, but now it's time to talk about some of the comic books we're currently reading. And first up on the roundtable is going to be a book from IDW called Canto. This is issue number one, written by David Bower and Drew Zucker did the art. And I just want to give you a brief synopsis before we get into it. Enslaved for generations, Canto's people once had hearts. Now they have clocks. When slavers damage a little tin girl's clock beyond repair, Kanto must brave the darkest corners of his hostile world to bring back her heart. Can he overcome the dangers that await to save the ones he loved? Can he? <laughs> we- Press start to begin we- playing and find out. Yeah, we'll find out. <laughs> yeah, th- this was, I-, I read this one and uh, this, the art in this was really great to me. And it's just a little fantasy book about this little uh, tin man that, can or the little engine that could or whatever you have um it, it felt a little bit like the like kind of a, a strange take on wizard of oz with like you know the tin man wanted a heart 
Mm, mm-hmm, yeah, yep, sure. You know, and some of the other solicitations I've read kind of allude to that. Um, what did you know? What did you think, John? I know sometimes with these fantasy books, I bring you're a little skeptical. <laughs> yeah, I thought the art was really cute. Uh, the story didn't grab me yet, but until the very, very end, I'll mm-hmm. say, you know, it, it was kind of like, what exactly is going on? And I'm trying to, you know, get your head around it because it's issue one, and they're thrusting you into this universe. It wasn't until the very end when now there's like there's something at stake. There's this robot who needs. Uh, find the real heart for that robot. I thought, or, or I guess not a robot. They're like real creatures. They have guts in one scene mm-hmm. you see is ripped open, uh, but little workers or slaves or whatever they are. So uh, I enjoyed it, especially the artwork and uh, the kind of the video game retro vibe, uh, intentionally or unintentionally from the authors. Uh, that's what I liked out of it. Yeah, I thought to me that, so we talk about Tin Man and that's mentioned in the synopsis and everything, but there are parts where it looks like instead of them being a robot Tin Man kind of mm-hmm. thing, they almost look like they're just wearing like, short small versions of you know knight's armor almost yeah. and maybe the creatures are inside now how their hearts get replaced with clocks I'm, you know they obviously haven't talked about that yet so I'll be interested mm-hmm. to see how that goes forward to me it reminded me of the movie from the late 90s or early 2000s called Nine either one of you guys see that film or remember the one I'm talking the, about aren't they the like the little, little sack people or or yeah yeah Exactly. And there's like the Geppetto guy who creates a whole bunch of them and they have the numbers on their mm-hmm. back and everything. And nine is the principal character in the story. And he goes off into the world when the Geppetto guy kind of dies, he wakes up. Mm-hmm. And this kind of reminded me just a little bit of that, not in the, you know, the literal translation of the story, but just the fantasy feel of small creatures in a bigger world that they don't really understand. Because I enjoyed that part of Kanto where they talk about, well, we don't have have any of our stories except for this one. This is the only story from our own history that any of us ever remember. We don't even know how it ends. And I thought that was a nice a nice plot device for this hmm. book. Now going from a fable tale like Canto to a completely different kind of fable tale, <laughs> our second book is going to be Stabity Ever After issue number one from Scout Comic. This is a book written by Richard Rivera, the creator of Stabity Bunny. It was drawn by Dwayne Biddix, and I'm going to give you just another little brief synopsis so we can get the ball rolling. In this book, Stabity takes on the fairyland inhabitants who stand in his way as he fights to rescue Grace from an evil sorcerer. There's no profanity, no sexual situations. It's a mixture of humor and extreme cartoony violence for the fans that need more stabity goodness in their lives. I, this book is everything that Stabity Bunny is. If you've read any of that series, they've had uh, eight issues so far in that. This is just a nice toned down version of that series in that you maybe could get along, get away with reading this to like a 10-year-old, an 8-year-old, 9-year-old, 10-year-old something maybe. Yeah. You'd have to be a little careful because there's some definitely violence going on in the mm-hmm. book, but it's done in a more comical way than what happens in the regular Stabity Bunny series. This was my first exposure to Stabity Bunny. I've heard the buzz around it and the conventions we go to, Mm -hmm. you know, we've seen Stabity Bunny there and I know it's up and coming book and getting a lot of exposure and very popular, uh, but I had not even cracked open one. And so (laughs) I don't know if this is typical of what the Stabity Bunny story is. It reminded me a little bit of that. I think it's an FX series called Happy about the imaginary friend 
of this girl who gets abducted. She's a, so this is apparently a stuffed animal and this little girl gets taken and mm-hmm. this stuffed bunny just decides to go all Rambo mm-hmm. and right. hunt for the girl, you know? Yeah, and, he's kind of a magical protector for Grace, really. Yeah, which is kind of like that Happy series. It was, yeah, that's what I picked Wh- out of which it. Which was also based off a comic book. Right, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. He, uh, he he doesn't have a lot of dialogue, this rabbit, does he? No, he never speaks. No. he <laughs> doesn't talk. That's he's, part of his thing. He's, he's just a fluffy bunny. He, he can't talk. How can he talk? <laughs> He's pretty much a one trick bunny. He, he, he walks well, in, he said he kind of walks up, the situation happens at the least amount of resistance, he slaughters someone and then he moves on to the next person. And yeah, but I mean, really, what other job does he have? You know, you say one trick bunny like it's a bad <laughs> thing, but that's that's his whole livelihood. It, you know, Grace is in trouble. I need to go find mm-hmm. her. Anybody gets in my way, you're done. That's the end <laughs> of it. And I like the fact that every time he would go up to somebody, they would be like, oh, you're just just a fluffy little bunny. You've got no shot at getting past me. Swack, 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 and their heads off. Try I some thought that was diplomacy, awesome. rabbit. Come on, <laughs> no, talk, talk no diplomacy when you steal his <laughs> when you steal his his favorite girl. You know the one that he's beholden to. No uh-huh. diplomacy what? there. <laughs> yeah, can anything stop him? Because I mean, they, they kind of say he's not really alive, or you know, he doesn't have a whole lot of motion to him. He's just a stuffed rabbit. But like like you guys said, just he just you know carries that butcher's knife around. I mean, I, I would think right. it'd be pretty easy to pluck him or something, but I guess not. Well, you know, in, even in the real series, there's a couple of times where he almost gets destroyed. Mm. You know, his oh, magical power gets sapped by some other magical creature. So that may be the only way. But in this, the fairy tale ever after universe that he's in right now, so far, nobody's even stood up close to being as powerful as he is. I mean, you've had the Wicked Witch Girl who, you know, killed Hansel and Gretel, obviously, and then you had the all these other different creatures that he has to go with, like the, the wizard, which I guess is maybe like an evil Wizard of Oz guy, I'm guessing, that stole Grace in the first place. You know, the troll mm-hmm. and everything. Now, so far, nobody's posed much of a threat, but I think we'll see that happen in issue number two and three and four. I think you'll see a little bit more dire consequences, but remember, this is written toward kids, and kids don't want to see their hero, you know, almost sure. get killed. Yeah. They want their hero to just destroy right. everything. So right. I felt like this was a cross between the Velveteen Rabbit and John Wick. <laughs> 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 it's it's my pet bunny, but you cross him and he's just there's no stopping and he cannot be stopped. You know, <laughs> he's going to re- he's going to bring down vengeance upon you. That's what I, I picked up on. So this is number one in a, a new series or a splinter series mm-hmm. or how is this how does this fit into the pantheon of Stabity Bunniness? Do you know? So it's it's number one in a new series. It's you know their trip into this fairyland world. He wrote this first one in January of 2019, and then Richard unfortunately had to go into the hospital. He had some health issues, oh, no. so oh, wow. second issue has been delayed for a little while. He's out now, and he's doing much better. Thank goodness. Uh, we've seen him in a couple of conventions. MegaCon, he was there, uh, so he's doing much better. But it's a matter of getting back into writing. I know uh, Stabity bunny also he got up to issue eight right before the hospitalization so there are more issues of that series planned but it's i would guess that at some point it's just kind of an offside like you'll see like in issue number nine oh grace and sabity disappear and then issue number 10 oh they're back and then this will be what happened in between issues nine and ten uh, kind of a thing mm-hmm. well even this one little issue 
just felt like it was like a Forrest Gump story, right? So <laughs> Forrest Gump ended up at every single pivotal moment. And all of a sudden, right. so, so the, the bunny is it like he saw the witch of Hansel and Gretel mm-hmm. and he saw the, the, the troll. They saw all these like kind of known fairy tale creatures. And then, of right, course, the fairy tale them. tropes. Yeah, yeah, every single one of them. And he went through and, and then but killed them all. So I guess that's a problem. But and, and then I also you got have a real Goose cool, and Maverick. Yeah, I, I got a real cool Gen X kind of. Peter Tingle out of the uh, Top Gun <laughs> <Dome> Pixies. <laughs> that was neat. They were called Goose and Maverick. And at one time, he even threatened Stabity Bunny and said, you've entered the danger zone, rabbit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they did some really nice stuff. I liked how they put that in there because that's nowhere you wouldn't think about that being in a fairy tale world yep, right that was yeah. cute. but it was nice and i think that's because richard rivera you know he's a big gen x guy right yep. so he loves everything from that era and when he gets a chance he's gonna throw stuff in there yeah, i did. think stabity cool. bunny ever after is a winner if you haven't read any of the stabity bunny stuff yet i know we'll have some links down in the show notes that jason will put in for us to get you into the whole stabity bunny scout comics universe but it's a great series and this is a wonderful addition to that series out of the world of fantasy we're going to move into our third book, which is completely based in some kind of real adult reality, because, of course, everything in comic books is real. We're going to move <laughs> into Postal Deliverance, issue number one from Image Comics. This is a book that was written by Matt Hawkins and Brian Hill. And the art is by a guy whose name I'm about to butcher, Raphael Inicio or Inico, I-E-N-C-O. Yeah. That's yeah, as oh. close as I get. <laughs> Storyline is Postal returns to find Mark struggling with the responsibilities and horrors of being the new mayor of Eden as the newest member of their community has brought his own personal war with him. Mark's mother, Laura Schifron, tries to enjoy her retirement in Florida, but violence finds her and violence might be the only way Laura Schifron can find peace. All right, I'm going to stop so you right, right there. there. I'm going to stop you right there. It, I read this book and I didn't get any of that out of this book. No. Okay. <laughs> I got everything. I got all of that out of Did the you? book. So, well, you, yeah, you, I maybe mean, we read a different pretty book. pretty much. I didn't pick up on all the, the minutia. I had trouble following who even all the characters were I was seeing. They definitely did like the, the Quentin Tarantino kind of jump back and forth mm-hmm. between storylines mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. No doubt. But all of these plot points were pretty easy to recognize for me in there. Mm-hmm. There was okay. definitely a guy who was the mayor of Eden and you could tell that he wasn't happy in his job. I mean, he's the guy that he's sitting there with his daughter feeding her breakfast as his wife, the sheriff goes off to Mm -hmm. her work and she's like, you need to go, you know, meet the new guy who's coming into town. And of course we had seen the new guy previously as he was running from cops and shot some of them and he gets to his house and his wife and his daughter are dead. I picked up on that stuff pretty easily. Hmm, I think where the discontinuity might be is that this is not an original series, a first issue of a new, well, it's a first issue of a new series, but it's based in a previous series that we haven't read yet. So there was a series I'm guessing called Mm -hmm. Postal. Yeah. And that obviously had some long history behind it because the Laura Schifron character, she's the one I wouldn't have recognized that she was uh, Mark's mother because that wasn't in issue number one. But you kind of got a vibe that she might have been part of that Eden town that they showed throughout the first half of the book. And so I'm guessing that in Postal, she was probably the mayor previously and now she's retired after reading the synopsis. Okay. Yeah, that that makes sense now because I'm with John. I mean, I, I did get that you know there's guys that the sheriff and then this other guy's 
family died, but I didn't really understand what Eden exactly was. And I didn't know why we were watching this woman in Florida, <laughs> what, what, you know, the, her <laughs> purpose was. And I'm not sure where she was in Florida because I've been to a lot of places in Florida and that looked like, I don't know, Cuba or it, it didn't look like Florida to me but well, you know what i think eden is at least i'm not the florida place but i think eden is very much like do you remember um from dust till dawn yes. george clooney film mm-hmm. quentin tarantino yep. robert rodriguez right so you remember when they were going to mexico the whole point was to buy their way into the safe haven for criminals okay i think that's kind of what eden might be because remember huh, he had to okay. buy his way mm-hmm. in and there are certain rules which i'm sure you know there probably were in the from dust till dawn series you know like george clooney had to give you you know, so much of his money to the guy. And I'm sure that once he got there, there were certain things he was allowed and not allowed to do because everybody's just there to relax and not worry about the law or anything. That's what I think Eden is. Okay. I feel like maybe I would have benefited by having read whatever this is a follow-up to. If there was a postal well, series. Sure. It, yeah. It, I, it doesn't feel like a first issue of something. It felt like I jumped in the middle of something. Mm-hmm. Uh, it probably yeah. would have really done well if I was bouncing off of whatever it followed up to. I just kind of picked it because I enjoyed the artwork in the series and I wanted something that was a little bit more of a gritty tone compared to the other books that we were reviewing today. They were all a little bit more younger age oriented, fantasy oriented, and I wanted something that had a grittier tone. And just from looking at the first few panels, this fit the bill. I didn't realize what I was getting into until after <laughs> I read the book. It's working hard at being gritty. You're, you're absolutely right mm-hmm. there. Like it's it's super, too, super deep and dark and uh, some shooting and early on and guys get shot in the shins and <laughs> right and uh, I, I was surprised with how much violence on kids in the first few pages like I, a guy's daughter he finds her dead and bloody mm-hmm. and then a little kid gets beat up in the alleyway right and i'm like right man they're pulling no punches with this thing yeah no this might be like a vertigo imprint type of book mm-hmm. right yeah Th- this would yeah, be something in that yeah, 17 I, I plus kind of thing now <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> exactly i think it's a got some promise i'm probably going to go back and see if i can find some issues of the original series just to kind of give myself a frame of reference Mm -hmm. but i i actually kind of enjoyed this one of the three i'm not going to say this was my favorite but it's a pretty solid Mm -hmm. offering i well i I liked the art a lot and i liked the way the people's faces had some texture and kind of just you know Mm -hmm. wear from the years and their decisions Mm -hmm. i I really liked the the art on that for sure yeah i think they did a really good job uh you know this guy whose name I'm never going to try to pronounce again. <laughs> he's one of those guys that I might try and find some other stuff that he's done just to kind of take a look at his art. You know, you guys are friends. Just call I him Raphael. Go by first name. Basically. Yeah, Raphael. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Known him for years. That's he's been right. a buddy of mine forever. Good buddy. <laughs> Put your superhero into the transmutation chamber. Close the door and send him to the scene of the crime. Now reopen it with a transmutation lever. Where'd he go? He's gone. If anything in this episode has piqued your interest, we put links in the show notes you can click on to find out more. Catch up on past shows and be alerted every week when a new one drops by subscribing to us wherever you get your podcasts. Also, if you're enjoying what we do, help us keep the lights on by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash genxgrownup. And we love to hear from our podcast listeners, so please write to us at podcast at drawnandpaneled.com. And that will wrap it up for this edition of the Drawn and Paneled Podcast. Gentlemen, before we get out of here, we got a few people to thank. 
Mm-hmm. I want to take a quick moment to thank our wonderful patrons over at Patreon.com. And that is you, Will, Dana, Corey, Thomas, Chad, Levi, Stian, Agile, T2, Slowmo, Stubaka, and Marcus. <gasps> and <laughs> a person who has now caused me to go to a second breath. A second breath. Mike has joined. Good job, Mike. Well Patreon. <laughs> Gen X Grown Up Universe. Mike, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate you helping us out here. Guys, for those of you out there who are listening to this podcast and you're wondering how to get your name read, all you have to do is go to patreon.com slash genxgrownup. Pledge a dollar a month to us and we'll be happy to say your name. You pledge three bucks, you get a whole bunch of bonus content mm-hmm. that John slaves and tires and works <laughs> over every single week. Yeah, just scrape it off the cutting room floor and post it for our patrons. Yeah, right. Slavery. <laughs> and if you bump up to that bigger level of 10 you get some really cool merchandise sent out, including a really cool Gen X puzzle, yep. which is super Ooh. awesome. We get comments on it every time we go to a convention. People pick it mm-hmm. up and it immediately falls out of their hand because of the way it turns. <laughs> and <Yeah. laughs> they love it. They always want to know where they can buy it. And we always tell them, go to patreon.com slash Gen X Grown Up and you can get your very own. <laughs> yeah, they can. Yeah. I really appreciate these people that it's a, co- a commitment to saying, hey, we like what you're doing and it really helps fill the tank up and supports not only this podcast podcast the other show and our youtube stuff and the website it's just i couldn't thank them enough it's awesome yeah it is it's great we love to have you guys out there supporting us and letting us know that what we're doing is something you enjoy and love with that we will be back next week with another regular episode and then two weeks with one of our back issue editions until then guys i had a ton of fun talking with you today jason thank you so much for being here that was my pleasure john always appreciate you oh yeah man and listeners we appreciate you most of all and we will see you guys guys next time. See everybody later. Bye-bye. Gen X Grown Up is a member of the Evergreen Podcast family. Learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com. We're also an affiliate of the Geeks Worldwide Radio Network. You can check them out at the GWW.com. In a world infatuated with comic fandom comes a show to help us remember the talents that have inspired us. Whoa, 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 cut. Oh, come on. It wasn't come that on. bad. It's a bit dramatic. Let's just tell them about the show, guys. We are the Canned Air Podcast. Join us weekly for a comedic trip through pop culture. We also welcome some cool comic creators, as well as some of the voice and screen actors that help shape your childhood. Find us on cannedairpodcast.com and on the Evergreen Podcast Network.